0: Hello Detroit Lions fans. This is Jeff Rison from the Detroit Lions podcast and Lions Wire and Draft Wire, which is important this weekend. Coming at you with a little bit of a Friday morning summary of what's going on with the team. But first, the intro. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. So, a lot happened last night. Uh, I'm recording this Friday morning. Uh, I'm on about two and a half to three hours of sleep after one of the longest work days. And this is technically the longest work day that I will have. Uh, So, bear with my my haggard appearance. And uh, if I have a malaprop or can't find my tongue, uh, sorry. (laughs) It is what it is, boys and girls. All right, we're gonna do this one in chapters a little bit. I'm gonna to try to break that up because uh, I don't really don't want to trust myself to do this in one take. So, Chapter One: Jameer Gibbs. I have notes too. Have to these days. Lions took Jameer Gibbs at number twelve overall. I love the player, love it. He's fantastic. He is everything every lions and fantasy football fan wants deandre swift to be and probably better than that his game tape is phenomenal he is an exceptional receiver out of the backfield he is a home run threat outside the tackles he sets up blocks better than any back in this draft and that includes Bajan robinson don't want to use him too much between the tackles but man i i, I really really like the pick he was my number 14 overall player not going to complain about the Lions getting him at number twelve. I am going to complain a li- just just a little bit about the value of taking him at twelve. But Brad Holmes talked about it in his in his press conference last night or this morning, whenever that was, about how teams were in fact calling and, and trading up and congratulating him, uh, congratulating Brad on taking him uh, because they were interested in moving up to get him. I 100% believe that based on some of the feelers that I've put around the league, there were other teams that were looking to move up, uh, including the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how far they would have gone up; can't answer that. But there would there would have been demand enough that he might not have been there at 18. So I get taking him at 12 if he's if he's the best player, and he is. Um, man, he's a dynamic force. He's gonna he's gonna be fun in this offense. I really really like it. Uh, I did write a thing at, at Lions Wire about Jameer Gibbs, uh, about how uh, fascinating of a pick he is and how he could fit into the Lions offense. Check that out for uh, a little bit more of a uh, less uh, mentally foggy take on it. But I, I, I'm, I'm very on board with this. I didn't think they were going to take a running back that early. I did think they were going to take one day two, and there was not a chance in the world that Jameer Gibbs was going to be there at day two. Uh, I had pegged uh, pegged his floor... As the Dallas Cowboys at 26, uh, 25, 26, 26 before trades. They were 26. They stayed at 26 uh, and got a good player, by the way. I uh, I like it. I, I really do. I think uh, he's worth the, the reach there. And look, it, it's difficult because this is a great running back class. And I had actually used Gibbs. As an example of why you wouldn't take Pisan Robinson at six, because you can take Jameer Gibbs later and get like ninety-five percent of the production that you were going to get, and possibly even more. Uh, and but now, got to flip that coin a little bit. Now that you do have Jameer Gibbs, took him at number twelve. How much more bang to the Lions' offense does he give you than what you could have gotten from Ty J. Spears or Devon A. Chain or Zach Charbonnet? Or Chris Brown, even, um, tonight. Uh, you know, Kendra Miller, another one. It's if, like I said repeatedly, it's a phenomenal running back year. And that's where the, the conflict comes into my mind in that is Gibbs that much better than those guys um, in terms of what he can do on the field um, and how he will do it in Detroit. We will see. I'm optimistic on that, but I I absolutely understand the frustration there because uh, there's some really damn good running backs still available. But uh, if they if they want to Gibbs and they have the vision for it, do it. I, I I'm I'm okay with that. All right, Chapter Two, Jack Campbell, number eighteen overall. This is the surprise pick to me. This is. Very out of character, and let me explain that because I put that on Twitter last night, and I think a lot of people misinterpreted my lack of clarity there, and that that's my bad. I should know better. Uh, I should know better than to go on Twitter, <laughs> but uh, sometimes the job demands things. I think he's a he was my number twenty three overall player. So in terms of that, like he's not really much of a reach there at all um, in terms of my value, and I get it. My thought of why it was an out-of-character pick, which was, was the term that I used uh, on Twitter, uh, and I still believe that, by the way, is this is a regime that has not valued an off-ball linebacker in a very long time. Uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot on the draft. I've written about it extensively at Lions Wire about how from Brad Holmes and Ray Agnew with the Rams side, to John Dorsey with the Browns and Chiefs side, to Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn and where they came from in both Miami and uh, New Orleans for for the most time. Those teams just never took first-round off-ball linebackers. I think the last one was Stephon Anthony, which I believe was 2014, uh, and he was a late first by the Saints. Um, Alec Ogletree was the last Rams guy that they took right around that time as well. I think he was actually a little bit earlier. Um, and they wound up converting him to off to, uh, to a pass rusher eventually because he didn't work as an off ball. That's where my sentiment came from, and they broke character by valuing a position that they have traditionally not valued. That's this isn't any consternation at all at Jack Campbell. This is this is more about um, the value of the linebacker in their defense, and what does this signify? By, by doing what they've done and taking a guy like Campbell. All right. Brad Holmes explained last night at his press conference that Campbell was the highest-rated player on their board still, and I believe that. 100% believe that. He's a very good player. It's easy to see he's a very good player. But this is a team that just signed Alex Anzalone, for better or for worse, to a fairly sizable contract, and Anzalone played well down the stretch. Uh, he really did. Uh, and they still have Derek Barnes, they still have Rodrigo, I wonder if this signifies that maybe they're going to play more linebackers more often. Maybe it will be more of a 4-3. Or, the, the alternate view, and this is the more grim view that a lot of you probably don't want to hear, is that they realize that Rodrigo is extremely limited in what he can do. He's a he's a run-down-only type of player, he, he got beaten coverage bad, folks, last year. Uh, he started out great. Teams figured out how to attack him. Now it's up to Rodrigo to make that next step and figure out how to counter the counters that were made against him. I'm confident that he will do that, but there are some physical limitations with him that, that you know, make it, make it interesting and real that they would want to get somebody that's more athletic and more rangy and more capable in coverage. That is Jack Campbell. Derek Barnes, I think, is the big loser here, uh, and I it, it it's frustrating because I I do like Derek Barnes, and I wonder, this is me wonder thinking out loud. This is not any inside information. I wonder if they're going to move him back to the role that he played first at Purdue and best at Purdue, which is the role that Micah Parsons gets used in in Dallas as a stand up outside linebacker, pass rush specialist, who can also occasionally flash as an off ball linebacker and set an edge. That's what he was great at at Purdue. The The transition to off-ball linebacker has not gone great for Barnes, and I, I wonder if they're going to kill two birds with one stone by doing that, by moving Barnes into the role where we anticipated they might draft Will Anderson or Nolan Smith or Miles Murphy or any number of other players uh, that were projected at edge, and have Campbell take over that role, the Barnes role, in the Lions' base defense. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that that wouldn't surprise me. That's one path that I could see them taking. Let's get on Campbell for a minute. Campbell has some really incredible testing numbers. I will tell you, as a guy who was a fan of his, I I was one of the highest uh, in the consensus uh, big board thing that you do. Uh, My friend Arif Hassan does that uh, for Pro Football Network. Please check it out uh I, I didn't get mentioned on that one but I, I i believe i was in the top five of where of all analysts over 60 of us who rated jack campbell like i really really like the player i will tell you he doesn't play close to as fast or as agile as he tested in mobile or i'm sorry in in indianapolis uh, he wasn't in mobile again i'm tired bear with me folks um he just doesn't have that lateral range. He can get caught flat-footed. I know there's a there's a, a video of, of Blake Corum like basically like juking him out of his an- breaking his ankles, juking him out of his shoes. Um, that is not terribly uncommon for Campbell. Um, he does tend to get a little bit close to the line when he's coming up because his inclination in the run is to go forward and attack. And uh, quicker running backs can get around that. That's a problem for a lot of linebackers. By the way, that's not just Jack Campbell. Uh, but if you're uh, if you're looking for a guy who can get outside the tackles to make outside the tackles to make tackles in the run game, yeah, that's right. Um, that's Jack Campbell. He's great at it. He is a better version of what Alex Anzalone was at the end of last season. And the idea of playing Campbell and Anzalone together as your in, as your off ball linebackers in like when it's like second and eight or third and six. I like that a lot. I think that makes the Lions defense a lot better, specifically in the middle of the field, which is where they need to get better. Uh, So I I like the impact there. I think that's going to work out pretty darn well. I really do. Um, As for how they they actually implement it, we'll see. Back to the draft value for a second, because uh, that seems to be (laughs) something that... uh, we have a lot of issues with, uh, and I've taken some shots, I and mean, that's that's fine. I, I'm good with that because uh, I, I did not believe they were going to take an off-ball linebacker on day one. I don't think anybody really did. Uh, I did think they would consider one tonight, whether it would be Dion Henley uh, or there's some other guys that uh, are escaping my mind at the moment, but they did uh, – Trenton Simpson is another one. They did some work a lot more this year than they did last year on the off-ball linebackers. And I think a lot of that is based on the fact that Derek Barnes just hasn't developed into the player that they really needed him to be. Uh Jalen Jalen Reeves Mabin came back. He is strictly a special teams player. The Texans found that out the hard way. Um and will let you know it too. <laughs> um, and they you know Josh Woods is gone. Uh so I think I think there's some room there that they, they wanted to flesh out that depth chart and, and get better at it. And I think you know their organizational tone changed here a little bit too. Uh, they realized we got to get better at linebacker. Like they they might have heard all y'all saying our linebackers are awful. We got to get better there. They did that. Try not to complain too much that they did what you wanted them to do. And that that also goes with the Gibbs pick. Um, they the Lions there they took two players that you're really really gonna like. Did they take them earlier than anybody thought? Yeah, they did. Does that mean they're bad picks? We'll find out in a year or two. Uh, before that, um, who knows? Just, just accept the fact that they got better at a couple of positions where nearly everybody wanted them to get better. Um, and if they, don't, if, they, if they find the value in, re- in not reaching there, I'm good with that. Chapter 3, Jalen Carter. Let's have a little talk about Jalen Carter here. A lot of the fan base, a lot of y'all, were convinced they were taking Jalen Carter. And this is something that I and several other media members had repeatedly pushed back against, cautioned you not to get too excited about. And I'm going to share something uh, that was shared in the, the, the private channel of our Patreon Slack, which, by the way, you should check out. It's the best $5 you can spend a month because you'll find things out like this earlier and you'll be more prepared when the lions never were gonna take jalen carter and i will harken back and I will, I will share this now publicly i won't share who i who who i got this from but when we were at the combine this year and jalen carter's fiasco for lack of a better word happened and i asked a very very good lion source um someone who i trust and this is before smoke season and everything I said, what do you think happens now? And he told me, and I will quote this because I rem- I specifically remember the words. He said, I think they're relieved that they have an out with the fans now on Jalen Carter. I'll repeat that. I'm relieved that they feel like they have an out now on Jalen Carter with the fans. And that indicated to me something that I had heard um, whispers of during the college football season that they just weren't that enamored with Jalen Carter as much as everybody expected them to be. And some of that was based on production level. Some of that was based on questions about his effort that had spotted been spotted on tape even before the season. Uh, th- th- there was also the quote from sec media days uh and i've I've told this on the huge show and and we've we've talked i think we actually talked about it on the podcast too where their defensive coach uh at georgia and his name slips my mind sorry guys i'm tired um said that they had to keep his fire lit they had to work on keeping his fire lit like that right there is code that you're not a dan campbell guy like i know i know he's a very talented player look He's my number, uh, he was my number five overall player in my What I Would Do mock draft. I mocked him number three. This is not me hating on Jalen Carter. It's me explaining to you why the Lions were not going to take him and why it was a sucker bet that they were considering taking him. It wasn't going to happen, folks. They just weren't that high on him for reasons well beyond what happened uh, in the unfortunate traffic accident that, that took two lives. That, that, that probably didn't help, I, I would guess. But they had reservations about him before that. And they weren't the only team that had those reservations. And that, that is part of the reason why he fell tonight. I know nobody likes to talk about that. But that, that, is, that is a drumbeat that was lowly beating on Jalen Carter for a little bit. Um, j- just for the productions. The, the Lions, we've talked about this in the pod a lot. Very heavily emphasized production on defense. Jalen Carter, phenomenal player, impact, talent, no doubt about it. He got six sacks in 38 games. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, a straight nose tackle, got more sacks last year, 4.5, than Jalen Carter did in his last two years of college. That might seem weird, that it might seem that, that it matters that much, but you're in a division with some running quarterbacks, with some really good running backs who can make plays outside the tackles. Disruption does not necessarily equal production. That is something that I've had i com- I've had that conversation with a Lions coach. Like we got to get guys on the ground, y'all was a, a bastardization of his quote. Uh, there were a couple of expletives thrown in there. And Jalen Carter, for all that he did, he was re- he was phenomenal at setting up the very talented guys around him. Guys like Nolan Smith, Jordan Davis, uh, <laughs> all the all the Georgia dudes that we're talking about all the time uh he was he was definitely the catalyst for. that. That's why I liked him as a player. But the ability to finish is something that he's he wasn't great at. like that was one of the the knocks on him um, aside from the off field. And I do think that that played a lot more weight to the lions than than was believed. Uh, so uh, that w- that's my take on Jalen Carter. I wish him very well. I think he's gonna be do well in Philadelphia. Uh, because I think they have a supporting cast that can react off of him quite well. And landing Nolan Smith and, and putting him back next to Jordan Davis, brilliant move to me. I don't think that would have worked as well with the Lions. Uh, and uh, that was something that was made pretty clear throughout the process was that they were just never that high on Jalen Carter as much as fans and some media wanted them to be. Um, it is what it is, folks. Chapter four. Let's talk about what might happen tonight. It's Friday. We have three picks in the first, what, 20-some picks. We got 34, 34 from the the Jameer Gibbs trade, um, which is technically going back to Arizona and Houston. Um, we have the number 48 pick, and we have the number 55 pick. I'm going to tell you that I don't know who they're going to take it at 34, 48, 55, I'm going to say I don't expect them to make all three picks. I think they're going to trade back out of one of them. Don't see them combining picks to move up because I mean, you're already up at 34. You don't need to package 48 and 55 to move up again. Um, unless a very specific special player, and I don't know who that would be, um, is on the board for them, then I can see that. But I, I, I doubt that. I think they're going to trade back. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade 34. I think they want to get a pit player there. Players that I would consider there, and that's, that's how I got to phrase this because I don't know what the Lions are thinking, quite frankly, after what we saw yesterday. Um, their value chart is clearly different than, than a lot of other value charts. Players that I know that they've looked at that fit the team, and that, that's, that's the mantra I'm going to go with here. Uh, Brian Branch. Defensive back out of Alabama. Stop calling him a safety, by the way. He is a defensive back. He is C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He plays that exact way as a slot safety, but who can also flip back to being a split safety and and can play outside cornerback in a pinch. Uh, Branch did that very well at Alabama. Uh, I would love that. It'd make me very happy uh, if he's the pick. Keanu Benton, who I talked about in the Jalen Carter section. I was reliably told that he was one of the four players that Dan Campbell singled out uh, back at the combine when he talked about the guys that he saw being lions. Um, I am waiting to hear if Jack Campbell was another one of those, but that, that certainly makes a lot of sense based on the press conference uh, that Calvin Shepard gave last night. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. Uh, he makes a lot of sense because they still need a nose tackle. Uh, by the way, Aline McNeil is a three tech. Folks, he's going to stay there. They liked it a lot, and he was very good in that role. So I think they're looking more at a nose tackle type. Uh, him, uh, Siaki Ika, uh, later on in the round, if they if they fall back, I think 55 is too high for him. But he's somebody that you got to consider there. Um, I like Keandre Coburn from, from uh, Texas as a guy who can be a, an attack dog nose tackle. He would be a little bit later on, but uh, that's uh, that. Back to 34. Michael Mayer makes some sense as a tight end. I know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I hear you. I hear you. I'm recording this, not doing this live, and I hear you screaming, no freaking tight ends. I get it. Michael Mayer's a really good player, folks. Uh, and it wouldn't be surprising if the Lions took a really good player at 34. And, and th- we'll sort out the aftermath and, and fan reaction later. Uh, that's okay. I get it. Um, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Sam Laporte, the tight end from, uh, from Iowa, wouldn't surprise me. He would surprise me at 34. At 48-55, not so much. Uh, who else could they take there? Osiris Torrance, Steve Avila, offensive lineman, Cody Mauk coming off tonight. It uh, certainly makes a lot of sense. These are players that I can see them having a lot of interest in, that they have expressed interest in in one form or another, whether it's meetings at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, private visits, pro days, that type of stuff. Uh, because that's that's all we can go off of. Uh, they proved last night that they are going to be unpredictable, so we're going to try to make it as predictable as we can in the, in the unpredictable. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th- those are some players that I'm looking at tonight. Don't think they're taking another running back. Don't think they're taking another off-ball linebacker. Quarterback is interesting because Hendon Hooker is still out there. Um, and please, Jesus, for the love of God, don't let them take Will Levis. Just prayers. Hopefully that gets answered. Um, can't say that they won't, but please don't. Just please don't. Henning Hooker is a much better quarterback prospect than, than Will Levis, um, in my mind. And I think in a lot of people's minds. And I think we saw that last night. Um, just a real quick aside on that. I hate that for Will Levis, by the way. I hate seeing the camera shots of the guys lingering in the in the green room. Can't stand that. Um, it... it, 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 it it rains on their dream and it dampens the experience for what should be the greatest night of their life or greatest weekend of their life. And I that, that does bother me. I hate that. Um, other guys that I think they will consider tonight, Keon White, uh, defensive tackle out of Georgia Tech. He played edge at Georgia Tech. He's John Kaminsky. He is Josh Pascal. He's in that range of a guy who is an end in an odd man front, uh, but can also play inside in an even man front. And I think... Uh, I think uh, a couple more biscuits or you know trips to Lafayette Coney, and, and he's there. Uh, and they did look at him quite a bit, so uh, he wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, back to the quarterbacks. Hennon Hooker. Um, Aiden O'Connell at, from Purdue. I think that's a guy that they would l- really look at if they traded back one of the picks tonight and picked up a third-rounder or a fourth-rounder out of it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Clayton Toon is, is a guy that I would champion, but I'd... Didn't get the impression that they were all that high on him, which, of course, means that they take him <laughs> based on, on how things are going. Uh, some other guys that we're, that we're looking at. Uh, the tight ends, please no on Luke Musgrave. Uh, just no. Uh, but wide receivers. Let's go to wide receivers for a second. Michael Wilson out of Stanford. This is one that I saw personally because I, I, I was at the Notre Dame-Stanford game. He got hurt in that game. And you could see the very perceptible decline in the very weird Stanford offense, like instantly. And I watched him the next couple weeks, and Tanner McKee went from looking like a guy who could maybe be Mr. Irrelevant to a guy who probably wouldn't start at Grand Valley State just up the road from me here. Uh, that's that's the kind of impact that a, a talented wide receiver like that has. I will go back to, um, it, it really reminded me of Allen Robinson at Penn State. Um, making Christian Hackenberg look really good. Uh, that, that's the kind of effect that I think Michael Wilson has. I know the Lions have done some homework on him, so we'll see. Fingers crossed. Uh, 55 would be considered a very big reach by most draft analysts, but if they like him and he fits, so be it. Uh, he's one that I like. Jonathan Mingo is one that I like. Uh, Dre Bly's cousin or nephew? Cousin, I think. Nephew. Something. Josh Downs from North Carolina. North Carolina. Has some <laughs> relation to Trey Bly, the Alliance quarterback coach, who also went to North Carolina. He's small. Uh, he's a slot receiver, and that would allow them to move Amon Ross, St. Brown around a lot. But uh, don't discount the family connection there. Uh, I'm not. Good player, by the way. Um, caught passes from a legit NFL quarterback, too, in Drake May. Uh, and that's that's not unimportant. Uh, so he, he's another one that I would consider. Uh, doing am doing this on the fly. Let me, let me refer to my cheat sheet here. Notes, folks, they're good to have. Let's look at wide receiver, uh, who's still on the board. Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. Not his biggest fan, but I understand it. If you're looking for a guy who can be JMO insurance, he fits the bill. Uh, Marvin Mims, Oklahoma, another guy that you're probably higher on than I am, but a, a guy who can make some plays and, and is very electric in the middle of the field. Um, and this would... See, if they take a slot receiver like Mims or Downs or um, somebody like that, <laughs> uh, that's 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 more of an indication that they're going to move St. Brown around. I don't hate that. Uh, if they take a bigger wide receiver uh, on day two or even early day three, a guy like Xavier, Xavier Hutchinson out of uh, Iowa State who really looked great at the Senior Bowl, uh, has some good tape, uh, dude from Purdue whose name escapes me right at the moment, Uh There's there's a lot of those guys that I think uh, can can be more of an outside-type receiver and keep Amonra on the slot and be more of a complement-slash-eventual replacement for Josh Reynolds, uh, who's entering the last year of his contract. That's that's the wide receiver crop that I think they'll be looking at tonight. No kicker, not happening tonight. Um, I can't rule out that they wouldn't take one with their last pick. Uh, And I will just say... I think a lot of Michigan fans will not like the fact that I don't think that the kicker that's number one on their board is Jake Moody. Um, I'll just just leave that there. Um, that actually does bring me back. Uh, another tight end that they could take tonight is Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, uh, who's a really talented player um, that I'm not sure that Michigan got the best use out of until they had to. Uh, he's a very talented player, and if they take him at 55, Again, that would be a reach based on the consensus boards, but I don't think that the Lions would necessarily view that as a reach. Uh, But I'd feel better if they traded back and got it later. (laughs) Wouldn't we all? That's just where we're at with that. All right. That's going to end chapters three and four. And that's going to end, you know what? That's enough for today. Uh, I will come back at you with another reaction video. Uh, I might record it very tonight after the the rounds are done. Very bleary-eyed and hopefully showered by then. Uh, Hopefully with... uh, A caffeine buzz going. Uh, And hopefully with a buzz going that that the Lions have done some great things because uh, they still have a chance to do add on some more in adding to the two great players that they took yesterday. Add two more of them. And again, I want to reiterate that focus. They got two really, really good football players yesterday that make the team better. The fact that they took them higher than expected is something that I think we're just going to have to to swallow and, and... Trust Brad Holmes. That's been the mantra, right? We're going to trust Brad. The volume of people who threw that in the trash and, and you know, set their Brad Holmes villain hoodies on fire. Um, you all got to get a grip, man. They got better last night. They'll get better tonight, too. Um, we'll find out who they're taking in a little while. With that, check out the, please, 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 check out the awesome, awesome Detroit Lions podcast live draft party. Last night, I poked my head in for a couple times. saw Michael Gray. I saw Ash with his sunglasses on, spouting just incredible amounts of wisdom. Um, I don't like it when I agree with Ash all that much, by the way, and we agreed on a lot this year. That that makes me uneasy. Um, look, I love Ash, but it makes me uncomfortable. Um, and Chris, I'm seeing it all. You're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Um, please check it out. It's live streamed. Check it out on the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe so you know exactly when it's coming live. Um, and Look, it's not intended to be a thing where you stay with it for the five hours. You, you can get up and get some chips. You can get up and get another beer or Jagermeister or whatever, whatever suits your your whatever wets your whistle. But check it out, it's going to be fun. I will try to poke my head in again a couple times tonight. Uh, and with that, enjoy the draft. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go, baby. Lines on three. One, two, three. Fire! You've had enough of that shit.